We are saddened and horrified by the continuing attacks on human rights in the U.S. For more information on how to help, stay tuned after the episode. However, everyone needs a break now and then, so we invite you to stop doom scrolling, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Welcome, adventure lovers, to the world-famous Jungle Cruise. My name is Tuesday, and I'll be your skipper and guide on their, on our wonderful cruise through the jungle. Unless we get into trouble, therefore, our new captain will be taking over. Uh, ma'am, what did you say your name was again? It's, it's Kiki. Kiki, uh, ladies and gentlemen, our new captain! Uh, hi, hi, everybody. Oh, where are you from, Kiki. Uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm in, I'm in Georgia, uh, from Georgia. Hi, hi. I'm sorry? Uh, I'm, I'm from, I'm from Georgia. Hi. Oh, 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 I heard you. I'm just sorry. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. It's not really that great. <laughs> All right, enough with the spiel. We are doing the Jungle Cruise, a movie that was heavily affected by the pandemic last year. Last two years. Yeah, yeah. In in both in both filming and release, yeah. It was supposed to come out at what uh 2020 and then just the pandemic hit, everything got delayed for a year, and then they finally released this about a year ago. And it was weird because people were kind of poo-pooing on this one before it even came out because, oh no, Disney is doing yet another movie based on one of their rides. Well, in fairness to the audience, when has that worked out other than Pirates? You're fair. I mean, Country Bears, Haunted Mansion, Tomorrowland. Yeah, I mean, I, I have really been trying to remember when that has worked out other than pirates and it it it's not really working i mean yeah. we talked about we talked about how i did not even go see pirates in the theaters uh, the first one at least because i was so sure it was going to suck because it was a ride movie that, that that one has been the one that struck gold everything else has kind of been known or at least had the the reputation of not being great and i mean now they're trying again with another haunted mansion movie and who knows what other rides they're going to do just to try to try to mask that pirates of the caribbean thing and i guess since it worked in pirates of the caribbean they decided to add a bit of supernatural into the jungle cruise movie and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Even watching the movie, even now after watching the movie, I'm not sure how I feel about them adding the supernatural elements into the film. Well, we will talk about 
what they lifted from pirates for this movie. Let's talk a, a little bit about you know getting getting this thing made. Uh you want to talk a little bit about the the history of of the the ride in the park? So the Jungle Cruise first opened with the original Disney Park in uh July 1955. It opened with the park. Uh, it was much more mm -hmm, less historically accurate and less mm, politically correct, let's say, than the modern version. Uh, more, you know, here's a you know very racist depiction of natives. Uh, the original skipper would use the would fire at the animal animatronics. It was there and it was treated seriously it was treated like it was an actual expedition into the wild things have changed over the over the years it's now more known for a more laid-back style a more uh, playful they, they they've tried their best to eliminate the more offensive stereotypes from the ride this is where we add in the bad jokes that are, have become so ingrained with the ride itself the 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 the, uh, the ride operators, the skippers, having a little bit of fun and all of that. Yeah, the the absolutely mind-numbing jokes. The you know, like dad jokes, kind of. <laughs> yeah, all of the all of the skipper Dan cliches. That, yeah, we, yeah, that we get it, now. It, it did get a bit of a, a boost in popularity because Weird Al Yankovic did that song. Yeah. Uh, after the song came out, uh, Dizzy actually put a reference to the song as part of the ride. Only in the California park, however. If you're, once you exit the California version of the Jungle Cruise, um, if you look hard enough, you will see a canteen that says Property of Skipper Dan. Yeah. That's kind of it, unfortunately. But at least they acknowledged something of the song. Yeah. We do have a good friend who was a skipper on Jungle Cruise for a while. Yeah. So, uh, we, uh, we do, we do know somebody that was about that life for, for a while there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it, it is an interesting and long-lasting and, dare I say, beloved part of the parks. So much that the slightest change to the riding just incurs wrath between the Disney Park faithful. Especially uh, last year it was announced that they were making more changes to the ride to... to take out more of the offensive material, to make it more universal in terms of uh, uh, people writing it, you know, changing the story up. And people are like, don't change this. No, 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 no. This is Walt's vision and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if you knew half of the real world stuff that Walt thought, you would not be praising his ideas as much as you do. Yeah, but the thing is, though, is that we've talked about it before of, you know, Walt was a businessman, and Walt was always looking for the next innovation. 
And so while Walt had his faults, of course, I do think that if there was a idea of, well, park goers are reacting negatively to something and it is causing a backlash. I I do think that as a businessman, at the very least, he would probably see the the business acumen in the change, if nothing else. Mm. Um because that at least was always kind of his savvy. Mm. It is interesting that it wasn't until last year, which, as we're recording this, would have been 2021, that they announced they were removing the final scene of tribal people from the ride. Including a character that is actually in this movie, Trader Sam. Yeah. You know, the the park said that they, you know, they, they wanted to remove negative depictions of Native peoples from the rides in uh, both Disneyland and Disney World. Um, so they wanted to put in new storylines that had various ethnicities of people rather than just stereotyped tribal natives. I think that it's a a bit of an upgrade in the sense of at least trying to show progression in how we treat other human beings and other cultures. To talk about the te- technological side of it, you know, having animatronics ri- raise and lower into water wasn't really a regular thing that a lot of parks were doing. And to have that multiple times a day, every day, was kind of a unique thing that Disney had for a while. Yeah, and also to do it in a way that was not a dark ride. Yeah. Because a lot of times parks would do water rides as dark rides to hide problems with animatronics. So that you couldn't see the tracks or the flaws in the um, the system. And, you know, Jungle Cruise is right out there in the, the bright California and or Florida sun there. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so it's, you know, you can, you can see everything if something goes wrong, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool. So, um, they, they do, of course, die the, the water, you know, I mean, that that helps you know hide <laughs> a, a lot of the things but um th- it's still really a cool innovation for the time to not be depending on the dark and like you know uv lighting or, or things like that to those kind of tricks to yeah yeah um so I I always really kind of respected that technical aspect of uh, Jungle Cruise uh, for what it was trying to to do, um, as well as trying to you know they they did um, they did a lot with the the plant life to try to give it the the appearance of a completely different biome uh in the middle of California there um which they used some really cool kind of trickery in the way that they not only brought in different plants but the the way they kind of made the plants grow in a different way they used some interesting cultivation techniques uh at the time to uh make it uh make the plants kind of grow in a unique way to give it kind of a exotic feel to it which was also kind of neat so yeah a lot of a lot of cool tricks they used for the time and of course they've been updated and and changed through the years but uh it was quite the innovation in the 50s when yeah. the park opened so yeah uh, anything but else? we're not here to talk about the park we're here to talk about the movie so let's talk about who's in this movie stand back i gotta do this Finally, The Rock has come back to re-watching the magic. <sighs> Rocky, 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 Rocky. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson in here as Frank, our skipper, and more. Yeah. We talked about him when we talked about Moana. He's the rock. He's the highest paid actor in Hollywood. You know who he is. <laughs> and if you don't, where have you been hiding? Where have you been for the last 20 years? <laughs> I was expecting you to say under a rock, but <laughs> wait, wait, a, no, get, get the, it was trying to dad joke. <laughs> uh, the, uh, when, <laughs> go ahead. The, no, I, I was going to say, I, it's it's been really kind of interesting. the The joke is though is that any time you mention anything in the jungle, the rock just has to show up and be like, "I'm in this now." So, yeah, yeah. Between this and Jumanji. Yeah. Uh, but this this one was kind of like I was like, 
why why is the rock gonna be in the jungle cruise movie but of course the, the answer is why not i mean who would you have put in a jungle cruise movie i mean it's, it's a jungle cruise movie there is nobody you're immediately gonna think of for this you know kind of i mean i if you had had me you know who would you, who would you cast in the jungle cruise movie to be the skipper I don't know if I would have put gone with 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 Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but you know he clearly wanted to do it. Again, he's everywhere. He's gonna be he's gonna be Black Adam soon, so he's freaking uh, crypto the super dog now. <laughs> he's everywhere and everyone now. He's got more variants than King the Conqueror. <laughs> don't say that. He will show up as a variant of King. <laughs> Don't speak that into existence. <laughs> or do. I don't know. That might work. Who knows? <laughs> the, um, the thing is, though, is that it's... I, I don't know. I just... It was such a weird casting choice to me. How do, I don't know. Okay. Sure, sure, why not? Yeah. The other lead in this film is... Emily Blunt, yeah. which to me makes just as much sense as Dwayne The Rock Johnson for this movie. I mean, they both were already under Disney contract, I guess. So they figured, well, these guys have another movie under their belts. Let's uh, put them in this one. Yeah, but I don't know. Okay, so his previous Disney had been Moana. And uh, Race to Witch Mountain. And Race to Witch Mountain, yeah. Uh, and her previous Disney had been uh, had Into been the Into the Woods yeah. and also Mary Poppins Returns. I kind of half expected Emily to sing in this movie. Yeah, I mean, she had done two musicals. At least he had done an action film for them. Mm -hmm. I, I guess Race to Witch Mountain is sort of an action film. It seemed that way. We haven't watched that one yet. We've just watched the original. Yeah, it it was it was very kind of a bizarre team up when they when they announced it. I was like, oh, um, I mean, okay. it's not the first it's not the first action movie she did. She did that Live Die Repeat Edge of Tomorrow movie with Tom Cruise. Well, and Looper. Yeah. And Adjustment Bureau. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, Emily Blunt in an action movie isn't too out of the out of the whole thing you know i mean i i'm not saying that her in an action movie doesn't make sense but her in uh, this movie her 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 in a disney action movie you know made a little less sense because it was not what disney had been hiring her for um and, and i mean she also she uh i had i'm going through her thing and i just realized we we she had a cameo in the muppets as Miss Piggy's receptionist in that whole Devil Wears Prada parody. Well, thing. yeah, I mean, she had she had been in there for the the Devil Wears Prada joke, but um, it it was more, you know, that was that was just a, a quick cameo to be like, hey, remember her from that other thing she did? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's this is such an odd duo and we'll get we'll get into how it works in the movie we get 
Jack Whitehall playing Emily Blunt's brother. McGregor. McGregor. Um, This technically is not Jack Whitehall's debut in a Disney film. Even though it is technically Jack Whitehall's debut in a Disney film. Okay. <laughs> this is this is one of the weirder uh, stories, of, and it's much funnier when he tells it in his comedy specials, and I encourage you to look that up. But Jack Whitehall is technically not technically in Frozen. Uh, he is one of the trolls in Frozen. Mm. You can see his character, and right as his character opens his mouth to speak, the film cuts away, and you never hear him speak. <laughs> and thus, he is never credited as being in that movie. <laughs> he was also in a in that weird Disney Nutcracker in the Four Realms. <laughs> I've never seen it though. The um, I I did I did not even remember that movie existed. Um. But the the sad thing is, is that Jack Whitehall really did think Frozen was going to be his big feature film break. <laughs> he was he was going to be in a major Disney motion picture. I mean, that was it was going to be the biggest movie, and it it did. I mean, that, that went on to dominate everything, and he was going to be in it. And he told everybody that he knew he was going to be in it, and he went to the premiere to, to go be in it and he wasn't in it. <laughs> His line got cut. His scene got cut. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently, uh, you know, Disney eventually made good by casting him in other movies. <laughs> but uh, it is a rather infamous uh, part of his stand-up uh, how he got cut from Frozen. Uh Without knowing he was going to be cut from Frozen. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's in he's in this one uh, as, as kind of third lead. I mean, he he's in this from moment one, basically. Kind uh, of playing a comic relief character. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he is he is our comic relief through through this. Um. Which I mean, he's a stand-up comedian, so that that's kind of where you would put him <laughs> in a film. Uh, it's it's not you know outside of his wheelhouse to to be doing that. Um, for our our villains here, we have kind of a main villain lesser villain and tertiary villain i guess mild annoyance <laughs> yeah mild annoyance i guess um but our i suppose our primary villain uh is edgar ramirez uh who is a venezuelan actor i first uh, knew who he was when he played Gianni Versace in the assassination of Gianni Versace, which was the um, American crime story series. Um, 
that came on FX. He had a he had a really good career back in Venezuela before he broke into the American market. Uh, but he was in uh, the Born Ultimatum, and he was in the uh, Wrath of the Titans movie and uh, that Point Break remake that they did. Um, but yeah, I I knew him from that that series where he played Gianni Versace. He he did really well in that. Um, and then uh, seeing him again in this, he doesn't get as much to do as I think I kind of wanted from the main villain. But. It's an interesting part, I guess, with what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, the secondary villain is uh, a the German Prince Joachim, jo- Joachim uh, however he says it in there, uh, who is actually a real guy. Apparently the Conquistador is too? Uh... According to Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, our villains are based on real people and the, uh, the heroes are just, uh, made up for the, yeah, but, uh, Prince Joachim, Joachim of Prussia, uh, is played by Jesse Plemons, who most recently has I mean 2021 was a good year for Jesse Plemons let me tell you um because he had uh Power of the Dog which was the the one that uh Benedict Cumberbatch was in and then also uh Kirsten Dunst who is Jesse Plemons wife uh the three of them starred in in that film and then uh jesse plemons was also in antlers which was a horror film that got massive uh recognition as well um so varsity brew varsity blues yeah he was breaking in bad blues and and all and then yeah he showed up in breaking bad and all he was in the the master uh with uh joaquin phoenix and philip seymour hoffman um he's going to which, be in the uh, upcoming series love and death yeah but i mean i mean he's his career is is going gangbusters right now um he was he was in a really good episode of black mirror uh that is just incredible um if you if you're wondering which one it's the uh the star trek one um so yeah that was it's uh that that one it, it will mess you up if you haven't seen it. Uh but yeah, no. Uh great great actor and uh he he gets a more c- comedic villain turn in this one, I guess. And then uh kind of rounding out is our tertiary villain slash minor annoyance we get Paul Giamatti, because why not Paul why not throw Paul Giamatti in this? Paul Giamatti and everything. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm not against it. He's he's good actor. Yay. Um, 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 I'm never mad when he shows up in things. I'm never like, oh, Paul Giamatti again. You know, it's like you're you're you never have that reaction. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of our our major cast. It's not a a huge cast, mm-hmm. you know. And and this doesn't really need a large cast since it's mostly, you know, most of the movie is just our three leads interacting on the boat. And then, you know, that's about, yeah, and, most of the movie. Yeah, I mean, most, most of the movie is the, the three leads on the boat and then they occasionally run into other people um, or animals. But, yeah, it's it's a pretty small in scope film as you would expect from a movie about a boat ride so you want to you want to get into the plot of this thing such as it is all right so there's a, actually a lot of references to other rides not just there are some references to the ride itself there's the bad jokes that uh, Frank tells at the beginning of the movie there's uh, uh, Paul Giamatti's bird is based on one of the Enchanted Tiki Room birds uh, they reference the falls uh, is a re- direct reference to a, a unseen character in the Disney parks Dr. Albert Falls who in Disney Park canon finds the jungle navigation company that uh, the Rock's character works for and the big one is we start our movie with the Tree of Life, which is in Disney's Animal Kingdom. So we start the movie with the Tree of Life, which very much like Tangled, it's, you know, only this time it's the moonlight instead of the sunlight that will make the tree bloom and its leaves will have miraculous healing properties, that which has made many an adventurer seek out the tree and we meet our our main villain Donagiri and at the beginning we only get half the story but later on we do get the full story it is that he has a daughter that is deathly ill and the only thing that can cure her is the healing properties of these leaves from the tree of life so he goes and finds it him and his crew which apparently, spoiler for those of you who haven't seen the movie, uh, Frank, or should I say Francisco, is uh, another member of the crew and is the adopted brother of Gide. They were, uh, their fathers knew each other after uh, Frank, uh, Francisco's father died. Gide's father adopted him and they grew up as brothers. They met, uh, they were, they got attacked by the creatures of the jungle. The native tribe nursed them back to health. Uh, Agide wanted the directions to the uh, the tree so he can get the leaves, so he can go home and save his daughter. The tribe says no. Enraged in this, Agide and his men kill every member of the tribe. I understand love can make you do crazy things, but, um, yeah. 
because they need this this sacred arrowhead that will lead them to the tree. Uh, the only and the only thing that stops him is is Francisco, who turns against his 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 adopted brother, saying, "You know, this is this is going too far. I understand. You know, I, I'm here to help you. You're my brother. I'm going to help you with 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 your daughter, but this is taking it too far." And with his dying words, the chieftain curses the entire conquistador crew to never leave the water. They, they, they must always remain by the river at all times. If they don't, then the jungle will take them. And after fighting for many, many years against each other, uh, finally, Francisco traps his brother and his crew and they are taken away from the water and they are taken by the jungle and transformed into parts of the jungle. It's the the makeup and CGI effects of, of the transformations and, and subsequent uses of them throughout the movie. Like one is literally one is made of snakes, one is made of wood, one is completely comprised of bees. It's it's, it's that one should have been played by Nicolas Cage. Not the bees, not the bees. Yeah. Um, there's enough people in this movie who are playing different races that they probably shouldn't. Yeah. That's a, that's a different story for a different day. And uh, now that his brother and, you know, 300 years pass. And uh, Francisco, who has changed his name to Frank, builds the town that we see in this film starts the river company since he cannot leave the water anyway he decides to start the jungle cruise expedition that we see in the film we meet lily which is uh emily blunt's character and we meet her brother mcgregor lily who has already been rejected by the by this society that her brother is uh speaking at uh there's a lot of sexism but again it is with the time you know lily yeah being, they put in sexism so she can be like girl power i'm going to wear pants and be competent yeah that's a running joke throughout the whole movie is that she wears pants to the point where where frank calls her pants throughout the whole movie uh, eh. anyway but the whole speech thing is a ruse just so Lily can get the arrowhead, which we find out is is in the possession of Prince Joachim, who is well. Part of he's the trying to buy it. Yeah, he's trying to buy it from the society. Yeah, from the get go, we, we we see that Joachim is not very honorable. Like, as he finds out that Lily has stolen the arrowhead, he says, "You know, you're about to fall out the window. You're give me the arrowhead, and I'll save your life." And you know we are led to believe that he does give she does give him the arrowhead and he just left her fall. But of course he twist twist everything around. The opening scene is actually pretty well directed. The stunts are pretty well done. It's a nice action scene to introduce the characters. Um. Yeah. You can you can also tell that. I mean, it's it's also set up that she's the brains and the brawn and that her brother's just kind of there because she's using him to give the speech. And 
because she's a man because he's a man and they will listen to him because he's a man. Yeah, they will let him give a speech because he's a man and she's up in the secretary's gallery even though she wrote the speech for him and she's the one with the doctorate and you know yada yada um but she's the one that can pick locks and fight and you know all of the competent things and he's the one that sits around and wears clothes and drinks tea and yeah it's it's what you would normally expect this kind of movie to be but the roles of the genders are flipped the 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 I apologize for what, for the word I'm going to use because it is usually referred to with women, but the dainty one is the man and the heroic one is the woman. And that is exactly what they're playing on. Um, because, I mean, he is the fop stereotype and that is what they're playing into. And, you know, big surprise, surprise, he is our Disney gay. Yeah, I mean, later. let's let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. And yeah. that uh, that was also another thing that kind of got a little heat for this movie. That they were oh another one of uh, the one millionth first time openly gay character in a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, he this this was billed as the second gay openly gay character in a live action Disney film after LeFou. And he gets a little bit more uh, backstory on being gay than LeFou, because LeFou gets, like, three seconds of dancing with a man in the background. There is sort of a coming out scene in this, um, but it is a very... Wink, wink, nod, nod, say no more, say no more, know what I mean, know what I mean, kind of thing. In that, if you're not really paying close attention to the movie, or you don't really understand what they're saying, you're probably going to miss it. In in that, we do have a a bit of a conversation at one point later in the film where McGregor talks to Frank and says that he is so devoted to his sister because he kept being set up on in marriage by his family and kept having to tell the women that he would not marry them because his interests lie elsewhere. And and Frank kind of takes that pretty well. Yeah, Frank just repeats, elsewhere. And he's like, yes, elsewhere. And Frank just, like, raises his, you know, flask and whatever, and he's like, well, here's to elsewhere. I mean, he's been alive for 400 years at this point. He may have experimented at least once or twice. Well, I mean, it's it's just, it's one of those things of, you know, yeah, I mean, you have a feeling that 
Frank just doesn't care about anything at this point, you know. Um, but the only other line we get is he says is that McGregor says that everyone else in the family disowned him for who he loved. And that is the only other thing that he that he says. Yeah, he, we never have him having uh, any kind of romantic interaction with any other men. It's just, yeah. He doesn't flirt with a man. He doesn't look at a man. He doesn't kiss a man or touch a man or say, oh, that looks handsome. Like, nothing. Especially when you have The Rock right there, the jacked up rock. The yeah. only thing he says about The Rock is, oh, there's a lot of you, because he says something about, like, now you see here, you can't leave, or something, you know. He, he makes something as in, like, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to tell you what to do, or whatever, and The Rock yeah. is like, oh, really? You know, you and what army kind of idea. And he makes, he makes a a joke about the difference in size and muscle between them. And that is the only thing he, he says, you know, in reference to the rocks physical appearance, you know, um, not that like, just because he's a gay man, he has to flirt with the rock or anything, you know, it's like, but he, he never like, it's, it's a completely, asexual portrayal you know mm. um honestly this entire movie kind of is except for the fact that like there is man on screen there is woman on screen they are leads in a movie better have them kiss yeah that kind of came out of nowhere yeah that that is yeah that those two characters have zero chemistry but they are man and woman in movie. Yeah. I guess they're going to be together by end of movie. I guess. The, the whole thing is, is that you have never seen two characters less suited for an adventure of this type than The Rock and Emily Blunt in this movie. Yeah, I feel like, okay, Emily Blunt, great actor. The Rock is The Rock. In every movie he plays The Rock. I'm sorry, he does. And it, it they both feel miscast in this movie. Yeah, I mean, there are things that I have enjoyed watching The Rock in. So I'm not saying, like, oh, it's a movie with The Rock in it. Automatically going to be... You know, and like and like you said, Emily Blunt, fine actress. I I like her in other things. Mm -hmm. I am not sure The Rock and Emily Blunt are meant to be on screen together in a movie like this. Like from the moment they are on screen together, it just does not feel correct. It feels like it feels like a bad remake of *Romancing the Stone*. Ooh, it does kind of feel like a bad remake of Romance. You're, you're correct. 
It feels like what is what is the way we could mess up the chemistry in romantic is romancing the stone in the weirdest possible way. Because <laughs> that's the entire thing. I'm I'm watching this movie, and it's like okay, this this feels like romancing the stone. Oh oh, that's what they're trying to do. It's not working. <laughs> what if we recast romancing the stone? in the weirdest possible way and then dropped those two characters into a Indiana bad Jones. fanfic of an Indiana Jones and Pirates of the Caribbean crossover. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it, it, you can tell that they're trying to make Lily a female Indiana Jones. Instead of being afraid of snakes, she can't swim. Yeah, she's fine with snakes, but she can't swim. And her brother is just sort of like, what if we made Willie Scott a gay man? Yeah. He's kind of Willie Scott from from Temple of Doom. Yeah. Just kind of there to, like, wear pretty clothes and scream a bit. <laughs> At least, at least McGregor knows how to throw a punch. Probably talked to him by his sister. Yeah, yeah, that is that is something. But um, the uh, and no, no hating on Willie Scott because I actually liked her as a character. But the the thing is, though, is is I said we were going to get into the Pirates of the Caribbean bit, and this is trying to be Pirates of the Caribbean because you were like. They decided to add some supernatural bit, and they just decided to add the supernatural bit from Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like, well, what if it's just a whole bunch of undead boatmen? Instead of pirates, it's Spanish conquistadors. Yeah, it's it's conquistadors whose bodies are... Instead of they turn into skeletons in the moonlight, it's now they're just made up of various jungle bits. But it's an excuse to use CGI. And they look really weird. And I they come like, after you on the boat. I do like the one comedy bit they do after, like, look at us, we're freaks, we're monsters. Speak for yourself, I'm delicious, because he's made of honey. <laughs> yeah, he's just eating the honey that it's making up himself, yeah. Um... But it's it's that it's that same idea, and they even try to do the the weird. There's a there's a tribe of cannibals thing from the one pirates movie. Yeah, and they try to do it a little more sensitively because it's like, well, they're not actually cannibals. It's just a they're actors. They're paid actors because Frank paid them to be actors. Yeah, the, they go through the whole. I mean, when we our introduction to Frank here is the entire Jungle Cruise ride, complete with bad jokes and all, and I love it. <laughs> I just yeah, wish... the setup of the the ride of him taking tourists out in the river and being like, everything wants to kill you, and he's setting off these like primitive animatronics thing, and he's got actors in the jungle pretending to be like oh no look it's the tribes people they're going to kill us and they're like you know blowing darts at the 
the boat and he's like signaling them like thumbs up guys you know like one almost hits him and he kind of glares at him like really dude yeah it's i wish they my only regret is i wish they had not put that in the in the trailer yeah, that would have been a, a really good thing. You know, he does the backside of water joke, which is nice. I think people would have been pitchforks and torches if they hadn't at least put the the backside of water joke because it's such a it's such oh, a, yeah, it's an ingrained into, into but, the ride. Yeah, but you know, it's really fascinating. You know, I like the way that he does it to, to kind of scam people i like his thing of it's only a scam if you fall for it yeah um, my only my only complaint is that the rock can be a really funny guy but all of his jokes in the movie are not very well delivered well i think that it i think that part is meant to be and then i think that mcgregor the idea that mcgregor is the only one that finds them funny that was the only thing that kind of landed for for me mm-hmm. was that McGregor finds them hilarious, <laughs> and that the one little girl is like, "Please make this stop. This is torture." But yeah, I mean, we that's our our big references to the actual Jungle Cruise ride. Uh, yeah, it's it's all a scam. It's all it's all fake. They're not really in any real danger because. And, you know, all the danger is fabricated by Frank and his associates, and he uses it to, to scam more money out of riders. You know, we need to go faster. Well, my, uh, if I go any faster, I'll blow the engine, and I can't afford a new one. Here, here. This will pay for for a new engine. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's a good, fun little scam. You know, it's it's nice. You know, it's it's a nice joke. Um, and you got the, the Paul Giamatti, you know, being all Paul Giamatti about it, you know, like, oh, I'm going to impound your boat and take your engine and I want your company and, you know, and Emily Blunt mistaking The Rock uh, for yeah. Paul Giamatti and all that kind of stuff. And then The Rock and his murder kitty <laughs> scamming the, the villagers into thinking he's fighting jaguars. And, you know, it was like, so it's like, it's fun. It's, it's a good setup. It's, you know, it's a lot of this is, you know, it's, and, and it kind of shows that it does make the later reveal of him being a conquistador, him being an immortal kind of out of left field. I think it made him I think it it made more sense because he's well in some ways it it makes a little more sense because it's like well he's gotten really good at taming jaguars over 400 years that makes sense he can fight a jaguar and have it bite him and stuff because he's an immortal and he's not going to bleed and he, you know, okay, that makes sense. Um, that he has the time to perfect all this nonsense along the river and make friends with the, the tribes people and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. That makes sense. 
and all that that the townspeople wouldn't realize there's a 400-year-old immortal that looks like The Rock. I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, if a dude built like The Rock walks through your town, you're gonna know that dude. Yeah. Like, I live in a pretty small town. If a gym bro built that big is like walking through Walmart you're gonna be like hey you know that like really built dude that comes into Walmart sometimes like even if you don't know that dude's name you're gonna know that dude you know and I I don't think any amount of shaving your head is going to uh, get people to not notice you yeah even if that dude like grows his hair long or grows a beard or starts wearing a hat or something you're still gonna be like Hey, you know Jim Bro is like growing his hair out now, right? <laughs> like, because like when we, because when we get the, the flashback to 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 four hundred years prior or three hundred years prior, whatever, I, the the Rock is wearing this really bad wig. <laughs> yeah, it's just a dude built like the Rock, but in a bad wig. <laughs> like you know, so like the the idea is that he built that town because he can't go away from the river and he yeah he can't some... he can only be a certain amount of distance away from the river before the jungle starts messing with him and the only way he's survived and not turn into a really weird like snake creature or whatever is that he's stayed on the river so he's built a town and he like goes up and down the river and he comes back to that town and he picks up passengers and he goes and he hangs out with the tribe for a while and then he goes back to the town and you know and he's been doing that for 400 years that town's only got a couple of hundred people in it and how long has he i mean if the if the entire existence of the town is him so at some point Within that 400 years, he would have to leave the town for a considerable enough time that people would forget who he. Excuse me, that people would forget who he is, or at least he can pass his own, kind of pull on Eternals and pass himself off as his own son. I mean, in in those in those days, you would definitely have like the same family there for generations, you know. So either everybody in the town just knows, like, oh yeah, that's Immortal Frank. We, we just don't talk about Immortal Frank, you know, <laughs> like, or, you know, he's got, like, four or five towns along the Amazon that he, like, well, this is the 20 or 30 years that I go to this town, and this is the 20 years I go to that town, and this is the, you know? Yeah. And he just rotates. Um... So, I mean, there, and maybe you're like, oh, yeah, my grandfather told the story of the giant guy built like the rock that used to come by there. He'd be like, yeah, that was my grandfather. Oh, oh, okay. So your entire family is just built like a tree trunk. Yep, (laughs) that's our family. We're all just built like a mountain. Oh, okay. All right, cool. You know, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know um but my my thing is i want to know how like you know spanish conquistador 
Francisco Lopez de Herrera or whatever is like goes from being Spanish conquistador in Brazil for 400 years stuck within like 500 feet of the Amazon for all of that time and ends up with an American accent. <laughs> yeah. I want Likely somebody to explain that to me. The Rock doesn't do accents. <laughs> in precise linguistic terms. This is kind of why I'm kind of worried about Black Adam, because he's just going to talk like The Rock without the accents. Oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he, he is 100% going to talk like The Rock throughout that entire movie. Um, I mean, you heard his Spanish in this movie, right? Yeah. His Spanish in this movie was painful. <laughs> For someone who's supposed to be a Spanish conquistador. Yeah. Um, and I and I say that as somebody who knows my Spanish is awful. But uh but my Spanish is still better than the rocks. Um but the uh the thing about this though is that when they when she's like negotiating price with him and stuff, and then her brother comes in with Paul Giamatti, and she's like, "Oh, I thought you were Paul Giamatti," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not Paul Giamatti. Have you seen me? I am definitely built like the Rock." <laughs> and but he Paul, sees the arrowhead and is like, "No, no, no, I'll, I'll do it." He go, you know, going lower and lower and, and lower. He, yeah, he's just eventually he's like, "I will, I will do it for, I will do it for nothing. I will, I will do it for, you know, I will pay you. I will <laughs> wait. Let me go. Let me go make a withdrawal from the bank. How much do you want? I will pay you to take you down the river. Okay. And yeah, and that starts the way. Why? Why is he so animate of trying to to, to find this? tree and later on Emily Blunt finds that he that he that he has the exact same map that she does and you know what more secrets are you hiding and he slowly but surely we kind of get the story and like he says well I used to draw when I was younger and I drew everything I wanted to draw and and you know I was looking for the tree of life too but I'm not anymore and but but by the time we get to the, the the big part there, yes, I've been alive for four hundred years. I've I've been searching for the tree of life to lift the curse from myself, and I am the one that drew the map that you're holding in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's very Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, the in Pirates of the Caribbean, they wanted to lift the curse, so they needed to find all of the coins. In this, he needs to find the arrowhead so he can get the tree, so he can lift the curse, so he can be mortal again. Well, he only wants to be mortal long enough to, to die. Like, die. Yeah, he's just like, I have been alive for 400 years. That is really annoying. Do you know how annoying it is to be alive? Please, just let me die. Um, but you look, but he's, uh, somehow he still looks like The Rock. It's like 400 years looking like The Rock built like a brick house. Not a bad way to live, but I can see how when well, you're I mean, when you're only and you can't. I get the point. You can't leave this 500, 600 foot radius of of Amazon jungle. Maybe that's you know there's there's not much left to live for. 
it would it would probably be different of like he also can't really tell anybody. I mean, Trader Sam knows mm. and maybe the other tribes people because they're the ones guarding the tree. So they believe in the tree. But he can't really tell anybody else. Yeah. And, and who would believe him? Yeah, and if they did, they'd probably start hunting him to be like, okay, tell us your secret, tell us your magic, let's study you. How far can we get, you know, I mean... How far can we harm you before it hurts, you know? Yeah, like, can we start removing bits of you? Will they how, go back? how far can we can we take you away from the, the river before the jungle starts doing things to you, you know? Like, people get weird. You know? Yeah. The thing is, is like he'd he'd never know a moment's peace because people would be like, Well, let's try to find that. And he says that so many people have come looking for the tree and all of them have died. You know? And yeah, that's why he's trying to get Lily to not go. And that's kind of why he set uh, set it up with the native tribe, is like to scare her enough to end this expedition because she he knows what happens to every single person who's tried to find the tree and i just love when we when we finally get to the native tribe and you know she's like i'm not giving up the arrowhead she breaks out she tries to fight with the tribe but who are just standing like wait wait this is not part of the this was not supposed to happen yeah then, we're not we're not about to be fighting anybody no 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 you do not pay trader, us no. yeah trader sam was like this was not part of the deal frank uh you know, you're paying us to do this spooky native mumbo jumbo, and you did not tell us this girl was a fighter. Yeah, and he's like, she's she's just being difficult. Please, like he tries the, his hardest to like he tries his hardest to scare her, and it's just she is just determined to get to this tree. They eventually ask her, you know, why why are you so determined? And she wants to use the healing properties of the tree to help humanity. To advance medical science, and which is fine. Well, you have to understand exactly when they set this movie, though. Right in the middle of World War One. Yeah, this is not just like, oh, she's she's really sweet that she wants to help humanity. This was set. Right smack dab in the middle of World War One, which was seeing the most mass death that humanity had seen in hundreds of years. She she mentions wanting to help the war effort, but we we hadn't quite gotten at at this point to the flu outbreak yet, so we hadn't even quite hit the pandemic that would come at that point. She mentions several other diseases that were going around at the time that were being exacerbated by the war. Um, and then there were, of course, all sorts of injuries and other illnesses that were coming about because of the war and because of what was going on in the trenches. So we're talking about a woman who 
is seeing what's going on in this unprecedented mass death event. And she hears about this thing that it's like, oh, it can cure any illness, any injury. And she's like, all right, let's that that sounds like a thing the world needs right now. We are seeing injuries and illnesses that humankind has never imagined up until that point. You know, we're seeing the effects of, you know, explosives and machine guns and stuff that we haven't even fathomed. And it is taking the world just by shock. And she's like, all right, let's 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 go do this. If there's something out there that can end this, let's do it. Which I think is kind of the weird thing in the background that the movie kind of glosses over. <laughs> that she's just like, you don't understand how many people this could help to a guy that's kind of isolated in the, th- you know, and I think... The one thing that they miss, because they've got the secondary villain who is the, you know... German soldier. Or the German Ger- royalty. Yeah, the German royalty over there. That's the Prussian prince of, you know, whatever. And he's bringing the freaking submarine. You know, it is kind of this... A terrifying weapon of war that he's bringing with him and I would have liked a point in the movie where she just you know grabs the rock and she's like do you understand what is going on in the rest of the world right now <laughs> like um, and even for I mean he's been alive for 400 years would he even would uh, I mean imagine though there's a war that the entire world is fighting what, how would that register to him in that in that regard? Well, we do see she has a a bit where she's in his little cabin on the boat, and she sees that he's been collecting little bits of like they've invented cars and they've inv-, you know like she sees that he's been trying to keep up with like what's going on in the outside world, but he still is rather isolated. She has a, a a film camera, and he that he's never seen. And then you know, haven't you ever seen a moving picture? Well, what's a moving picture? Yeah, um, because he is in a rather remote village, kind of isolated on the Amazon there. So it would have been, it would have been nice for her to. You know, because he's like, oh, you want to help the world. You want to help the sick. And it would have been nice for him to be brought to the thing of like, no, I'm not just talking about helping people who have like a fever or, you know, a plague like you might think of it. Like, we're talking about weapons that you've, you have no conception of. Like, I didn't have a conception of them until a year ago, you know. If if she had if she had kind of brought that 
home or like, you know, I had a friend and then he went off to war and now, you know, whatever, or we had a brother and now we don't anymore or something. Yeah. Because it would have really given her quest a little more weight other than I want to study this for medical science because I think that's what the movie wanted to get across. And then it just didn't because it brings up the fact that this is world war one quite a few times. And it seems like it wants to be like, Hey, remember this is world war one a lot, but it kind of gets forgotten when we, when this is now a love story. Yeah. And as we've said before, boy, does this not work as a love story. I mean, did you think it worked? Because I did no, not. No, I did not. Because we, the love story parts, you know, they meet Trader Sam. Trader Sam tells, uh, translates the inscriptions on the arrowhead and they go. But the, you know, the, 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 the lock, you know, the, the, the switch that will open up the entrance is underwater Oh no, Lily can't swim. Frank can swim. He's also immortal. It starts with okay, she's running out of air because she can't, she doesn't know how to swim. So he goes up, breathes in, and he's going to breathe air into her so she can live, so she can pull the switch. At first, she's like, no, 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 hey, hey, and you know, no getting fresh down here. And he's trying to explain to her, hey, I am going to give you air so you can breathe. And they go for the kiss, and it starts to get romantic, question mark? I mean, are these supposed to be romantic? I don't know. But after that whole scene, and they open up the the, 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 the entrance, now things are different. Now they're starting to show some more affection to each other. They're hugging, they're doing the thing, and... We get to the big, you know, climactic part where they get to the, the, the tree and everything. But in the end, yeah, skipping ahead here. In the end, she gives up her chance to have the pedal to study it for medical purposes to save Frank. Because Frank had sacrificed his boat, sacrificed himself to stop the river flow into where the tree is. So the jungle can take the conquistadors, the rock included, into itself, sacrificing himself to 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 save everybody. And it's like, on one hand, I get, hey, he sacrificed himself for us. We should do something for him. But they just have the one pedal, and he she gives that up to make the rock mortal instead of, you know. She gives it up for quote unquote love. And it it's kind of unearned in this movie. It would have been better if it was like, okay, we know where it is now. Let's just come back in like a month or two. Yeah, when the moon's back out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the tree's a little damaged, but, like, there's still tree, you know? Yeah. 
go go back and chill with the tribe. I mean, by the end of the movie, they've kind of killed all the bad guys and petrified the other ones. So just like go chill with the friendly tribe for a while. You know, wait for the moon to cycle around again. But it it was it was more like if she'd have just been like, well, you don't deserve to be petrified because you're heroic. That would have made sense. Like, you don't deserve to be petrified because I'm desperately in love with you. Doesn't make sense. Especially when he goes to, to that, you know, they go to, you know, isn't the world enough? And he says that she's world enough for him. And it's like, it's, it's. The love story kind of ruins the flow of the movie. This is this is where her telling him what's going on in the rest of the world would have made it a better movie. Because him going like, look, I've been looking for a way to die for 400 years. You go out and save all those people that have not had a chance to live yet. Because her being like, look, like, 17 and 18-year-old boys are getting slaughtered for nothing in trenches. Would would have been, like, a really impactful moment. And him being like, look, I watched a whole village get slaughtered for this thing. And I've, I've been alive for 400 years. And now I just, you know... Like, let me be petrified, let me sleep, or whatever. Like, go save the world. I think that has a lot to do with The Rock himself, because uh, recently we've there's been stories of Rock's contracts with movies and how he's not he doesn't want to look certain amount of weakness in the movies. You know, the guy that was a professional wrestler, the guy that fake fight for a living, doesn't want to look weak in his movies. And I think that it's kind of uh, may have affected the movie. Maybe, you know, he wanted sacrificing to... yourself to save thousands of lives would look weak. I mean, I think that would be Dying. absolutely baller. I you think, know, but I don't think The Rock wants but, to but die. No, in his but, movie. I, but I think it would have been better if, if, if she would have been like, no, you know. I don't know if I can save hundreds of lives, but I can save your life. Like, it would have still been, like, a good, we can wait a month or something or, you yeah. know, whatever. Also, I mean, they try to, it's, it feels like it was dubbed in later, but you hear the Aguirre and the other conquistadors talk about how they had 400 years of torture by being part of the forest or part of the jungle. That trans being transformed into their their monstrous forms was painful and and, and and torturous, and I guess well we don't want the rock to be doing all this. We don't want to pull all of this stuff on the rock. And yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying the movie should have left him in that condition, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is like her doing it because she's now desperately in love with him, rather than because he's heroic and he didn't deserve to be left to that fate is 
less impactful to me. Uh, like agreed. We can't leave him like that because he's a good guy. Makes more sense to me than we can't leave him like that because he's my true love. He's my world. He's world yeah. enough for me. Yeah, that that does not make that does not feel earned. He's a he's a good guy who has sacrificed a lot and he deserves to have this curse broken makes more sense. You know? And then you get like, oh, all of this didn't even matter because after they unbreak the curse on the after they after they break the curse on Frank, oh, there's still a little bit of moonlight shining in. There's one more petal. Yeah, one last beam of moonlight. Here, here you go. De- Deus ex moonlighting. Uh, here, here, here you go. One, one last petal. Which honestly, I missed the first time I watched the movie because I zoned out of the movie because it was boring me too bad. So I was just kind of like looking at something else, and then I looked at the thing, and it was like. I was I was reading on like Wikipedia for something else, and it was like, and the moon's last beam blooms a single flower, which Lily takes for research. I was like, when did that happen? And so I went back. And like she doesn't the even. Movie. We don't even see her take it. It's like we see the the the, the flower bloom, and then it cuts to the three of them on whatever's left of the boat. It's such a tiny, quick little frame of movie, and nobody goes like. Oh my god, there's another flower. There's another, you know, it's like so if you're not looking at that screen in that 3 seconds that it happens, there's like barely a music cue. None of the characters go like, "Oh my god," or, or like, "Oh ha or something. There is nothing in the film that like cues you in that like something miraculous just happened really. Like the music kind of goes like or like whatever (laughs) it's like such a nothing burger of a moment and all you have like nobody goes like quick get it before it fades or something you know so I didn't even realize that it happened I had to rewind from the credits because I read it on Wikipedia because I zoned out of the movie that's how that's how like the resolution of the movie passed me by. I did not even realize that she had gotten the flower to go help the world or whatever. We never see her take it. She just we just see it and then all of a sudden I just we... thought like, oh well apparently her like notes from her adventure got her a professorship. Okay. Cambridge. Yeah, I was like, okay, uh, apparently you can just write a cool adventure story and get a professorship at Cambridge now. That sounds cool. (laughs) And then uh, McGregor goes in front of the committee again and tells them all to take their invitation and shove it and while the secretaries are clapping, yay! And apparently Frank learns how to drive a car. Yeah, and and apparently you can just you bring a murder kitty to London because that's that's how we roll. <laughs> yeah, okay. so, so yeah, Frank is mortal now. You know, we have that moment, oh, you're bleeding. Wait, you're bleeding? That means you're mortal now. The curse has been lifted. You can live a life. 
And they're talking about making a sequel to this. Yeah, it's as far as I'm aware, the sequel is in development. Even though the movie underperformed because, you know, it was released right at the tail end of what people considered the pandemic, even though the pandemic is still kind of going on. But, yeah, people were not ready to go back into the theaters yet. And the movie, yeah, point is the movie underperformed, but they're considering doing a sequel with The Rock, with Emily Blunt. And I think that's why they had, they did this. Because they want to do a sequel with them? I don't know. Like, what would Jungle Cruise 2 be like? Is there enough story to do a Jungle Cruise 2? I mean, I didn't even think there was enough to do a Jungle Cruise 1. Like I said, I checked out, like, halfway through this film. Yeah, and, and, and that's kind of why we're bouncing around here. Not really being specific, because, like... There's not much here. I, half of this movie are action scenes. They're well done action scenes. They are. I will say yeah, that. Yeah, the CGI is nice. There's a lot of it. Most Honestly, of the- there's not There's not a lot of... You would have expected, because it's a movie with The Rock and everything, that, that he would have like fought some stuff, but he doesn't really. I mean... Yeah, and like he the, the suplexes a jaguar at one point. CGI jaguar. Yeah, well, I mean, you wouldn't want him to suplex a real jaguar. That'd True. be cruel. True, but point is, you know, it's like, I mean, even The Rock has kind of toned down the wrestling moves in his fight scenes in his movies. Yeah, but I mean, you could have him do like a fight scene. Yeah. I mean, that's what, like, Batista's been doing over in Guardians, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's he's not doing wrestling moves so much. He's just doing, like, straight-up fight choreo. But, uh, the, like I said, the fight scenes in this movie are very well done. They're very nice. I like the fight scenes. It takes up so much of the movie, and I think you're right. There's so little story that they kind of had to pack in the action scenes, especially the the, the the river rapid scene. It, I mean, it, they're, and they're done well. The the river yeah. rapid scenes are done well. All of the animal stuff is, you know, the the cool little nightmare dolphins and whatnot. Yeah. The design of the conquistadors are really cool. Like the snake dude looks awesome. Mm-hmm. The bee dude looks really cool. Yeah, the mud dude. <laughs> Yeah, um, I just did like the mud dude, though. I mean, I mean, I mean, he lo- looks cool. You know, there's the one dude that might as well just be Groot. Yeah, as a conquistador, because he's just a tree dude. It's so much, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that you can't remix things, because I kind of like things that are remixes of other things if you do it right, but. This was so much just, let's take a bit of this and a bit of that and throw it together and not bother to stitch it properly. I mean, it was a very Frankenstein monster that never quite got the seams sewn together well enough. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, like like we said earlier, this is a little bit of romancing the stone. This is a little bit of Indiana Jones, a little bit of Pirates of the Caribbean, and it's. Somebody told me that that they thought it was a bit uncharted, which came out like just a, like after this. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's but it's kind of the, I mean, but but I think more in the sense of probably the video game you know like it probably just somebody played the uncharted video game and was like oh let's just look that or tomb raider if you want to or tomb raider you know probably in that same vein you know emily blunt trying to be lara croft kind of thing yeah and it mm, i think at this point it's time to go to the question if you're ready for it I mean, yeah. So at the, at this, I mean, to really say, we let's get to the question: Does the Jungle Cruise have the magic? There's a lot of potential in this movie. The entire thing was, you know, okay, let's do a movie based off the Jungle Cruise ride, and it it definitely feels like somebody at Disney felt that the ride by itself was not enough to do a movie about it, but they wanted to do the movie about the Jungle Cruise anyway. And like I said, they take they took little bits and pieces of other other uh, adventure movies, trying to make this work as a movie for the Jungle Cruise, and it doesn't quite get there. I think, and I'm going to agree with what you with with you earlier that the love story it, between Emily Blunt and The Rock is the weakest point of the movie. It's the weakest part of the movie. Every the action scenes, the special effects. Everything else kind of works, but it's it's very shallow either way. So I'm going to say no. It kind of does. There's a lot of potential. It never reaches it. I'm going to say no. Yeah, I I am also going to say no. The thing that worked for me was the idea of a dude who was kind of scamming people along the the river that idea of faking the jungle cruise at the beginning yeah was really fun and that's how the trailers put it like this is a this guy's a fake this guy's a phony I think had they continued with that, it would have been a better film. If we if, cut, the, cut the supernatural parts out of it, he's just a con artist that has set up this fake jungle cruise to scam tourists out of their money. And then here comes this person with an actual adventure who's going to pay top dollar to this person who claims to have sailed the Amazon. And then when we finally get to it, it's like, um, I have actually never been here. It's, it's a scam. It's a fake. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fraud. And now you have this adventure with, with two people who are in over their heads and they're trying to survive the Amazon, trying to find this treasure. That would have been a better movie. Yeah. Basically, and honestly, you could even have the supernatural element, but just have it be like a 
you know, RUSs, I don't think they exist. Oh, crap, RUSs exist. You know, I mean, it's like... Oh, there's a curse in, 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 on the jungle? I don't believe it. Oh, no, the curse is real. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a, a much a much more interesting movie to me, you know? Uh, and then I honestly, you know, if you could find two leads that could pull off a romance, eh, maybe if you could make it work organically. I honestly am getting kind of sick of there being a romance and everything just because there's a man and a woman in it. You know, some of the best action movies I've seen lately have had a man and a woman in it, and there's not not a hint of romance in it. And honestly, that has been so refreshing. <laughs> I have seen a couple of of good action movies in the past couple of years that have had like a male lead and a female lead and they just kind of exist near each other and mind their own business existing in the same movie and at the end of the movie they're still existing in the same movie and yeah. they're not a couple and I'm like oh man that's awesome they they can they can be partners and friends and they don't have to end up in bed together. How nice. <laughs> Especially when they have no chemistry together whatsoever and there's no plot related reason for them to have a romance. And I think that's all we can talk about for the Jungle Cruise. So let's move on to next week. Next week, it's all about three words. Three words, three words that everyone knows, everyone loves. I am Groot. So we are going to be taking a look at the brand new I am Groot shorts. They just dropped on Disney+. Plus. And uh, we're gonna take a look at him, see if these, uh, if uh, little baby Groot is uh, <laughs> can hold his own show together. Yeah, so come back next week for I Am Groot, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. If you want to help the fight for human rights in the U.S., the American Civil Liberties Union works to protect constitutional rights for all Americans. Their website is aclu.org. If you need reproductive services in the U.S. or wish to donate to those who do, go to abortionfunds.org for more info. The battle isn't over until the last person surrenders. The fight continues. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.